It has been said that we've all got a book in us somewhere, but most people don't action it and most people don't write books. But for those people who do, or it is their dream to, what would you say about giving up your high-flying career to follow a passion to write a book, become a writer, start a blog? Well, I'm Minnie McBride, and today I'm going to be talking to Emma Simpson, who did just that. It's a fascinating listen, and so I really hope that you'll tune in and enjoy. Cracking Copy is a marketing and copywriting podcast where we lift the lid on writing for business and read between the lines of effective copy. This is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs and savvy business owners like you who understand the value that great copy can bring to their bottom line. We dive into a different aspect of writing for business in each episode, debunk the myths about how we should write and explore the ways that writing can be fun, conversational and creative while also being high impact for serious results. So listen, laugh and learn with us, Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride, as we share our words and wisdom in each snack-sized episode. Expect some light bulb moments, interesting guests and practical takeaways as we crack the copy code together. Hello, Emma. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. Oh, well, I I just love for um, our listeners to hear about your background and how you came to be uh, Emma Simpson author uh, from your past work life. Yes, so well, where do I start? Um, so my past work life was primarily in aviation. Um, I spent 21 years in that field, uh, mostly as an air traffic controller. Um, so I came into that in my mid to late 20s. So always worked in very technical careers and um, in my latter part of that career, I ended up working for the aviation regulator, looking after all sorts of things and doing some senior leadership roles. And I became their head of innovation. So I worked in things like commercial space flight and cybersecurity and drones and, and all these things about how we enable the future of aviation. So in terms of the writing, so far, no connection really whatsoever. But writing was always something that I did just for joy, really, for fun, whether I was bits of travel writing when I'd come back from somewhere or I used to write children's poetry before I had children. It was just always one of my go to things. And I think when I was growing up, I was one of those kind of annoying people at school that could do English and maths and languages. So I never kind of knew where I was going to go. And my career happened to go very technical and sort of maths oriented. But the writing was always just something that was a, that just brought me a lot of joy so that was where my career background was and then in terms of how I came to be Emma Simpson author um <laughs> so largely actually that was down to uh, health issues so I had um a series of health problems in the latter five to ten years of my career I think brought on by trauma events um the death of my brother my daughter got very sick with neonatal meningitis I had some very difficult life events that happened very closely together oh, and I think I did what what many of us do really when these things happen and just keep going and keep going and keep going and work harder and work more and get promoted and take on more and you know move house and have another child and move house again and and, and get promoted again you know in this sort of cycle of 
clinging on to the things that I knew, I think, yeah. when I wasn't really processing the other events that had happened to me. I mean, that is a whole book in itself. But um, ultimately, my health started to fail. Um, firstly, my mental health. And then I did get treatment for that. And lastly, my physical health seemed to then sort of say my body kind of kept the score. And I was having, you know, it, it started more with mental health things and, and panic attacks and anxiety and depression. But it did then manifest in things like chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia um, and all sorts of other complex health conditions, which I still manage now. And ultimately, about three years ago, because it was during lockdown, I took a year sabbatical from my career to try and look after myself and yes. to really kind of think, OK, what do I need to do here? My my company were amazing. They were so supportive. And I took that sabbatical in January 2020. And then obviously the world changed because the COVID pandemic began February, March that year. And I think the things happening in combination, and I think a lot of people went through this huge reassessment of what's it all about, what's important to me, what are my passions, what are different ways of living and working, you know, I used to travel a lot, be up at dawn and work till late at night, you know, and so come September that year, I thought, I'm just going to make the change, I don't think I'm going to go back, and I'm going to look at these other things that I want to do, and you know, with the support of my family, we managed to, we had to downsize our house to do it. We were very lucky to be able to do that. But obviously there's logistics and financial considerations. You don't just give up a big career and become a writer without, you know, how do you pay the mortgage and all that kind of thing. So, you know, my family were great and they could see the impact that the years of what I'd experienced were taking on me. So we we made a big family decision, moved house and then gave me the freedom to start a new chapter. So brilliant. I mean, it's the dream, I think. So many people think, oh, no, I've got a book in me, but very few people actually do it. I mean, I kind of write for a living, but it's business writing, but I would love to explore a creative side too. So what inspired you then to write your, it's your first book, isn't it? Breaking Waves. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about what inspired you to to write that um, in the first place and also perhaps tell us what it's about? Yeah, of course. And I think really what's at the key of, of my writing, and there is a sort of a segue here from the world of my corporate life to now where I am now as, as writing life. And um, when I left my corporate world, I did, um, I was qualified in coaching psychology. I'd done a lot of leadership work and a lot of particularly work with uh, women on women mentoring, having come from a very male dominated industry. And I initially set up a coaching business, which is still running. And so it wasn't straight from air traffic control to author. You know, there was this kind of like, right, I'm going to keep working and supporting people. For me, the common thread with all of this, really, which led on to the writing, was it's all about stories and holding people's stories and storytelling. And as a coach, obviously, you don't then share the stories. You contain them and you hold them. But I get such joy out of talking to people, listening to people, understanding people, supporting people in that kind of way. So there was this kind of theme. And alongside this, one of the things I do for my own well-being is open water swimming. I do a lot of cold water swimming. And so whilst I was doing that as my hobby, 
I got to meet a whole load of women around the shores of the lake who had all these really interesting stories. And it was about what brought them there and what they aspired to do. And some of them were training to be channel swimmers. And some of them were people who couldn't really swim, but would just come in and do it for their own well-being. And I just started getting fascinated by these stories. So that's kind of where the idea of the book came around. It was like, well, these stories that I can tell, that I am allowed to, that I can hold, but then I can translate and really help others feel less alone and more understood in their own personal journeys. So I started gathering tales from people locally, which was amazing and people were so generous. And again, then lockdown was happening. So suddenly I couldn't meet anyone and I couldn't see them and I couldn't swim with them and everyone was having a bit of Zoom fatigue and I was like, oh God, it's all gonna fall apart now. I had this lovely idea and some momentum. But quite extraordinarily, what did happen is then people started putting me in touch with other swimmers or it's not about swimming, actually, but other women they knew from around the world. So I then started interviewing women from Fiji to Finland to Canada to South America about their experiences with water. And it wasn't just about swimming. As I say, it was like water births or what water meant culturally in their places where they'd grown up so that I got these really beautiful stories about about womanhood and what it meant to us as women and for example uh, the lady I spoke to from Fiji she was saying how it was such an intrinsic part of being on an island nation that when they pass around this cup of the local drink, drink called kava they sort of say do you want it at high tide or low tide so how full your cup's going to be and then oh, I had lovely oh it's, isn't it gorgeous I love that just something really small but you know quite significant and um, I spoke to a couple of Finnish women and that was fascinating. So I've got a whole subject in the book about, I don't want to say body image, but about how we relate to our bodies as women. And they talked to me so much about the sauna culture and how when you grow up in this culture of it being exposed to the the women's bodies in your families when you get to beyond child you know young childhood it is women's only saunas but you grow up with your aunts and your your grandparents and your best friends and you know your sisters naked and body shape is normalized so they just the, the way that they have their own levels of self-kindness and self-worth and appreciation I was like god we could learn so much from this you know yeah. so all these different facets of it I spoke to women who'd been through trauma people who are um, military veterans and things like that and how the water would help them come to terms with complex mental and physical health problems and some of it really just much more light and, and joyous and about the nature of fun and play and, and how we come together and there's a, this real sort of communing around the water and, and how much we've got to, to share with each other so it's a collection of these stories from women around the world and interspersed with the thread of what open water did for me in my recovery from my brother's death, from illness, from mourning the loss of a career, you know, because you yes. have to go through a huge grief process, I think, when you come out of a phase of life you've been attached to for over two decades. Um, and where of it led course. to I am now. So quite a cathartic journey for you writing it then as well. Hugely, yeah, hugely. And it's it's to say it's not like a it's not an autobiography it's not my life story but it's how the life experiences I've had people who I've spoken to have really opened up and related to things I've said or and then been so generous with the sharing of of their stories I mean it's just become something so beautiful oh it's it just sounds marvelous when so when is it going to be published well, that is currently the $6 million question. So I have an agent at the moment and it's been submitted to publishers. So it's under submission and waiting to hear back. So I'm kind of in a bit of limbo, just waiting to hear 
whether it's getting picked up in the traditional publishing scene or whether it's not. And then if it isn't, then I will self-publish it. So I, I can't answer that at the moment, which is the most frustrating thing because the book has been finished for six months and people are constantly, yeah. where can I get it? And I publish excerpts from it on my Substack, which I think we'll talk about in a little while. But yeah, so at the moment I can't say, come buy it here. Um, it's, it's I birthed, I birthed that one, that baby's sitting there and I'm working on my second one whilst that goes through the process. Lovely. Well, I want to talk about that in a minute, but I wanted to, first of all, because um, I'm really fascinated by the creative process. Hmm. So do you have a particular uh, process that you have in terms of your writing? Are you are you quite sort of strict with the hours that you do or, you know, how the how the book did you start at the beginning or was it very much collating the stories and then working out how they fit together? How how do you how do you work? Yeah, okay. So there's sort of two aspects to that. I think in terms of the process and and my day-to-day, -day, no, I don't have a routine as such, but that's largely driven by health. So sometimes I'm not well enough and I just have to spend days away from things. And sometimes I'm on fire and it's brilliant and I'm super creative. So I kind of just have to be kind to myself in that respect. Okay. Um I try to separate my environments. I know that I'm bad if I sit in the kitchen because <laughs> all I'll do is make tea and just like, you know, get distracted and stuff like that. But I love being in my kitchen. So I have to try and be disciplined and come out here, um, which is an office space at the back of my garden. And then I'm, I get a lot more done in terms of things like, I do have some little rituals. I make it nice. I light a candle. I kind of try to get myself in the zone. I turn my phone off. I use, a technique called the Pomodoro technique, which I yep. don't know if you use that in your copywriting yep. work. But for me, that works a treat. So it's 25 minutes where it's like write with no distractions and then take a five minute break. And I find I'm extremely productive when I use that technique. Otherwise, I'm terrible for distraction and scrolling and procrastinating. So I discipline myself within when I get to the desk, but I don't have my sort of, oh, it's Monday 9 till 11, you know. I swim in the lake twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So because that normally is really good for my health, I do tend to try and then come back and carry that on for the day. Okay. Um, I also join two group writing hours on a Tuesday and a Thursday where I write online with a group of people um, hosted by someone on Substack as well. And that's incredibly helpful because it gives you the momentum. So I think there's a bit of community impetus and accountability and setting the environment, I think. Are the no. real yeah I think that's really healthy because I think one of the things um writing whether you're writing um a novel or whether you're writing business writing is quite lonely so actually an online you know an online workspace is great because you're then not feeling alone even though you're not necessarily in the room with someone I think it's as you said it yeah. makes you accountable doesn't it it's so helpful. And I think my husband thinks it's really strange because he comes in sometimes and there's just a load of us on the screen not talking. And he's like, what, are you in a meeting? Um, but what we do is we get together, we have five minutes, what you're writing about today, and then we crack on and then somebody times it. And then at the end, we come back together and maybe share a bit. So I do a couple of writing groups. I do that one through through Substack and I do another one through like this, the London Writers Salon. There's There's various groups that have these capabilities where you can go into a room with people and just think right I'm this is it nine till ten I'm in a meeting I can't be disturbed my teenagers can't talk to me and ask for a sandwich you know it's it that's it yeah I think it's really important because I think you have to you have to get into the zone whatever it is that you're writing because you've got to focus your energies on on what you're doing without you know distractions although I do find sometimes I find a working in cafes um even though there's noise 
I can still get into a zone and I actually quite like that background noise. I do. I love that. I try and do that once a week as well. Definitely 100% the sort of the white noise because it's not about no one's going to disturb you. And I don't wear headphones like you say, I like that. And then I just find yeah. it's a bit of a treat. Also, I mean, because of the way I suppose my body and my mind work, sometimes I get really engaged late in the evening, which isn't ideal. But again, my family are aware. And if I say, look, I'm in the, I'm in the zone, I want to just carry on. That's fine. You know, I don't have young children. So it's not like I I can I can say that yeah and, um I can sit there till maybe one in the morning you know I, I try not to do that too often but I, t- I take advantage of it when it comes you know sometimes it's almost like I feel that so I feel like the words are queuing at my fingertips and I'm just like all right I have to go I have to write now I have to write and I've got this whole idea and this stream of stuff and out it comes so that's that's the process I guess <laughs> so it's quite organic so you're listening to your body and you are writing when you are feeling at your most creative I am and like which is why I'm loath to kind of commit to things that it's such a difficult balance especially with the background I've had you sort of think right well now I'm going to do it th- for this or I'm going to try and write for a magazine or or do you know I should do some copywriting or I should do this or I should do that but the minute I have that kind of demand on my body it's it's just a challenge because yeah. I can produce and be prolific and high quality and do all those things but then I can be in, unable for a week and it's so difficult and it was one of the things that was so sad when I came out of my former career was I didn't want to feel like I was letting people down I hold great responsibility in you know being accountable for myself and for my actions and delivering and all those kind of things and so one of the hardest things one of the reasons I walked away was because a lot of people depended on me and I had a you know great role and a lot of responsibility but then I found well I I might not be able to now live up to that because I'm off sick for three weeks so yeah you know I have to kind of keep bringing that back and every time I think oh well maybe I'll write a regular column or try and do this or write that I have to kind of talk to myself and say no this is how it's going to work for me well it's obviously working really well because you're working on other books aren't you so tell me about um tell me about the one on tea yeah very early stages and I guess it comes back to a bit about your other part of the question which is do I start from the beginning and write um so the the genre I write in is narrative non-fiction so it's not kind of you know expert guides or anything like that it's all about storytelling and the soul behind the science or whatever it may be so um with tea I mean I'm a tea lover I've always got to come me to too are you are you yeah I don't drink that coffee stuff um so... I do but not not as much as I drink tea <laughs> but tea's just been part of my life and you know the, the idea for the tea book came out when I was writing came about when I was writing Breaking Waves because there was a chapter where I write about love languages and it was really funny because this concept of love languages is obviously quite well known I had never heard of it as a thing you know, I thought, oh, what a beautiful expression, a love language. I really, that really speaks to me. I think tea is a love language in my family. It's always an act of care. You know, it's something we do for each other. My mum used to do it for me. I do it for my girls, even the one that doesn't really like tea. But if, you know, it's like, it's the warm hug and, you know, I give her a bit of sugar in it or something. And it's always just, a, you know, it's an act of service. And I, and I said to my daughters, you know, it's like, oh God, I found this concept of a love language. And they were like, oh yeah, mum, we know all about that. It's acts of service. It's, I can't reel off the five things, but it was oh, all, wow. it's all, there's a, there's a whole book around that. I don't know if you know about this, but no. 
Love languages have been extensively written about. And I was like, okay, I know nothing about that. But intuitively, to me, the phrase is beautiful and it makes yes. sense. So I started thinking a lot about how tea was a love language for me in my family. And my parents are Irish. My dad's passed away now. But my mum, I started talking to her about what it meant to her growing up in rural Ireland. And she had a very different upbringing, quite, you know, quite more formalised sort of upbringing. But she also said that these rituals of tea marked the day from the minute where they got up in the morning and put the cast iron kettle on the turf peat coals that where they stoked the embers from the night before. You know, there was no electricity, no heating, nothing like that. And how they call people in from the farm at midday with their tea and ham sandwiches. And again, they started to build. And um, mum and I are actually traveling to India in January for a cousin's wedding. So then I oh, started. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like, wow, amazing. So going to visit some tea um tea places out there and started to study more around that so I was like okay what I really want to explore again is the stories behind tea and how we pass down our histories our cultures our traditions our rituals in ways other than words you know so how we do it and the significance of coming together and taking the time to pour some tea and show that act of care and and what the significance is so I have all these interviews lined up with people of different cultures and backgrounds and nationalities, which I just can't wait to explore. Um, and I don't quite yet know where that's going to, where and how it's going to unfold. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Well, you get loads of stories in India, won't yeah, you? Yeah, so exactly. that'll be, that'll exactly. be great. And I'm also tra- training as a tea sommelier. So there is a um, place called the, yeah, the UK Tea Academy. So when I was in aviation, I took a week off randomly and I trained as what's called a tea champion because I love tea. And yeah. it's all about the origin of tea, the Camellia sinensis plant, the qualities, the properties, the, the brewing, the blending, the tasting, all sorts of things. But again, the cultures around it. And because I'm writing this book, I literally started this week on my tea sommelier course, which is a proper tea industry qualification. But again, I'm going to be learning about Japanese, Taiwanese, Sri Lankan. Amazing. Chinese, all these things. So, yeah, all of these are going into my pot. And It'd then, be fabulous. Then you can open a tea shop. I open a tea shop. <laughs> no, not. <laughs> it's actually there aren't very many places where there are proper tea shops where you get a choice uh, of tea. And I did speak, I interviewed a woman for the book last week, actually, who did used to run a tea shop. And I said, well, look, I had this dream of running a tea shop. It's a tea and bookshop and I have it all in my head. But the reality of running a cafe and the dream of running a cafe are two starkly different things. So yes. I don't think that's ever, ever going to happen. So, yeah, it's swilling around and then it will unfold. So I don't start at the beginning and right to an end. I gather, I gather stories. I play with it and you know with breaking waves the agent that I have we did a lot of work on that together about where the narrative art fits and so then you know you do some more kind of I suppose I suppose it's probably a lot of what you would do in in the kind of industry you're in where you then get more technical on it in a sense and just think right okay I've got all this lovely stuff but what is it is it a collection of essays or is it actually a book what's the story where does it start why do we care What's the hook? Where does it end? What does the reader want to know? So then I kind of go back and apply that process in quite a methodical way once I've got a lot of content. I can see how then you, you, you're you're fitting the structure in almost afterwards. Yeah, I mean, they kind of work alongside, but it's not that, you know, I don't sort of know where it's going to go. Like the tea book, I don't know necessarily what how the arc's going to unfold yet. So... You, I'd quite like to move on to talk about the blogging site, but I'm just wondering whether you use. So, for listeners, um, Emma has a a Substack where you publish 
lovely blogs, pieces of writing. Um, and you must, you must listen, you must um, go and read it because you're right. Honestly, Emma, your writing is lovely. It's just gorgeous. Thank it's you. so the descriptions, everything. Um, and I wonder whether you to ask you whether you use that to sort of spark other ideas when you're you know do you decide in advance what you're going to write about or is it oh today I feel like writing about this and that's exploring another topic for you yeah it's, it's an interesting question and so this is one of the things I write with this with a group twice a week who, who I met through Substack who's a, actually a journalist called Susie Walker who has a Substack publication herself called Hartley which was which is lovely and we were talking about this yesterday I often think, right, I'm going to sit on my substack today and I'm going to put out an article about this experience I had or this holiday or this interaction with somebody because something will happen. I might be out walking a dog or on holiday or, or wherever I might be and something I'll observe something and then it will formulate a story in my head or as I'm swimming around the lake, there's a lot of stories formulating in my head. And I think, right, I'll go back and I'll I'll write a substack on that. And it's basically a, it's basically like long form articles, which what I love about it. It's the antithesis of social media. It's not yeah. short scrolling. I mean, you know, because you, you've read it um, and it's a real joy in writing like that. And some mornings I'll wake up and think, right, well, I'm going to write the article about... I don't know. I could say I've got one about love language, tea as a love language that I'm yep. going to explore and put that out as a piece. But then I wake up and like I did yesterday morning and it was a glorious, beautiful day yesterday morning. It was sort of October blue skies and cold in the morning. And I was going for a swim at the lake and the article I wrote just completely changed because I was like, actually, in the moment, I'm feeling very passionate about the fact that I love the change of seasons. I know it's a really difficult time for people when the nights draw in, but how I get such strength and energy from this time of year and the cold and what it means to me. So then what I was actually going to write about and which I published yesterday was completely different. They're so well thought out. I mean, you're so talented if you can just... And it comes out really beautifully. I mean, it, I mean, it's not, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, yeah, I just come and produce this stuff. But I mean, yesterday, I don't know if you if you read yesterday's one, it ended up equating cold water and sex. But you'll have to read it to find out where. I haven't that, read that one yet. Yeah, where that train of thought came. But yeah, it's all in there. And that, so with things like that, I tend to write them in a day. In a day. I started it that morning, but it can take me hours I mean it's not something I write in two hours and then I'll go and walk, walk dogs or something or come back and deal with life and so it can take out some of them one of them I wrote on there which is the body keeps the score um that took me three days and that's partly because it was so personal about yeah. my health journey really exposing and I had to kind of think about whether I wanted to be that open but I think part of why I write the way I write is because I am quite no holds barred I am very raw and I just sort of somebody asked me you know what what's your goal on Substack you know what's what what, what do you do it for and I think with the corporate life hangover that that we all exist in or carry immediately it was like right well I must have x paid subscribers by this date or I must have this many people following or this kind of thing so immediately you're like right I'm looking at the bottom line and what does it bring me an in income I'll talk about that in a minute yeah um but actually, I thought, no, I need to come back to the reasons why I took this path and what matters to me without sounding cliched. It's not about the money for me. I mean, the money, I do need money, but yeah. it's not about the money. It's about connecting with people, putting authentic writing out there and making people feel less alone. 
And the biggest feedback I get on my writing is that you make me feel less alone. People write it and I say, actually, I can't want for anything more. Wow. And I think faith in the organic process that because I write in a way that, I mean, what an honor for someone to say that, to make someone feel like that, then the rest will come. Yeah. I mean, that, as you say, that's, that's, that's kind of what you want to hear, that you're making a difference to someone else. So in terms of choosing Substack, so so for people that don't know about all the various blogging sites, I mean, I, I have a, a not very well tended, I'm on two actually, there's Typeshare I do and also Medium. And I tend to kind of like go from Typeshare to Medium, you know, they automatically publish. <laughs> but obviously you've got Substack and you've got Patreon um, and various others. So what was it what was it that attracted you most to Substack? Is it because mostly mostly authors are on there? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, somebody suggested to me a long a while ago I should write on Medium. And I had a look at Medium and I can't remember what put me off. I just remember thinking it's not the right fit. Um okay. I'm aware of Patreon, but I really don't know much about it. I think the reason I came to Substack is a lot of the people that I follow on Instagram would say, oh, I'm moving over to Substack. And I kept hearing Substack this and Substack that. And I was like, God, I don't want another platform. Mm. I don't want another platform. I don't want another app. I don't want another feed. I don't want anything else in my inbox, you know. But then a few writers that I really like following were writing on there. And there's the people like, you know, there's this Emma Gannon, who's, who writes in um, a lot about burnout and the... Um, millennials and and then you've got people like Catherine May who wrote Wintering and books like that that I follow and I thought right okay I'm going to go and look at Substack and yeah. I kind of just fell in love with it and partly because of the way that people write on there and it is for writer it is a, a writer-led platform it's not a business platform or a tech platform or or any of those other things and also it's just so flipping easy to use because I am not technically well-minded in terms of things like websites or creating a blog I had a WordPress blog and I was hopeless because every time I went in to publish a post I had to reteach myself I didn't find it intuitive but Substack, it was like, oh, do you want to set your own up? And within literally two minutes, I'd done one. And within like a week, I had 10 people subscribing. And I was like, oh, OK, this really works oh, for me. That's great. Mm. So so for somebody who doesn't know Substack, do you have to pay to to be on Substack as a writer? But do you, do you have to pay to be a subscriber? So they have different levels. So no, you don't have to pay to be on there as a writer. So it's great. So you can go in and set up your page for free. And the the interface is just so easy and it looks pretty good. It looks like, very professional. Straight away. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's they make it so easy and they're very helpful. They have very active kind of help communities and things like that, which I actually haven't had to use because it's so intuitive. In terms of subscribing, so... This is my understanding of it. I'm still pretty new to it. I've been on there about three months. So you can subscribe to anybody on there for free. And then so writers, so like myself, my I'm on there as Emma Simpson author. My publication is called Lemon Soul, S-O-U-L. And there's a history to that. But anyway, so my publication is called Lemon Soul. And people can subscribe to Lemon Soul for free. And they get most of what I put out there. Again, I have an ethos that I don't really want to pay all my writing. If my if my intent is to help people feel less alone then I don't want to marginalize that by making it inaccessible to people who can't afford it so I like most of my writing to go out for free and then I just say if you want to support me 
If you value this, if you can, I'd be hugely grateful if you would upgrade it to a paid subscription. So from a paid subscription amount, people charge between usually five and 10 pounds a month for a paid subscription. And for paid subscription, you do get other things. And then you become, can become a founding member where you pay more and you pay like maybe 250 pounds a year and you're a founding member and you get whatever it is that that writer offers you and their eternal gratitude. So for me, I pay all excerpts from my book because I've got to kind yeah. of put a value line on it somewhere. I can't just, I mean, it takes hours. And like I say, every every substack I write is a day's work and I could get no income from that. But I'm building my, say it, and it's not done cynically, but I'm, I'm just building myself and my profile and I'm practicing my writing and encouraging the people that want to read it. If somebody wanted to read an excerpt from my book but couldn't afford it, then I'm also just like contact me and I'll give you a comp sub. I mean, it's I'm, it's not being very business minded of me, but that's not what I'm in. Well, it you're, for. Yeah, but you're starting out, aren't yeah. you? And you're you do get you do get very sort of uh, very successful writers who pay all everything. Yes, of course. Yeah, but then they're probably well known in the first yeah. place. And they probably had 200,000 followers on Instagram, and they come over and they might write one free post a month, but everything else is paywalled um, and people do it in different ways so so the short answer is yes you can subscribe for free and how much you'll get for that depends on the writer you subscribe to but I give a lot for free you give a lot for free so I mean obviously there are people that do make a really good living then on Substack because if you've got thousands of people paying five pounds a month that's good money Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I'm happy to be very transparent about it from my perspective. I'm really like tiny tadpole in this pond at the moment. Um, there are people on there who very openly talk about making six-figure salaries on Substack, people like Farah Store, Emma Gannon, and they and they, you know, if you subscribe, you can find out why and how. And it's not done in a kind of it's done in a very genuine, genuine and authentic way, actually. They're they're hugely helpful. They're really open about how much effort they put in and also I think you've got to appreciate that it's not like they've just come in and got this they've had 20 years of a career in publishing or or magazines or whatever their backgrounds are so everybody yeah, they've been journalists or they've been writers whatever I mean yeah. they didn't get whatever following on Instagram easily either so everybody who, who makes those figures has earned it you know they've done their work my my 20 years of background aren't directly relatable so I'm sort of starting in a different place but I think they say approximate figures for so if you have 100 free subscribers the conversion rate is between is like three and five percent so yeah. if you have 100 free you might have three to five paid I've got 300 free subscribers at the moment and 20 paid so that works out around the same kind of stats yeah. I guess it would be good to build that so it is a small income stream and I say I'm just going to see what happens organically I don't I don't target it with that sort of mindset of I need to do this and I, I'm not a hard sell. And as I say, I give a lot of it away and what will happen will happen. Yeah. And also I imagine if your book does really well, yeah. um, people want to read more of your writing, then obviously then, you know, it goes hand in hand with the Substack. Do you write anywhere else? So these are the two main, you know, as in writing a novel and, and, and blogging is, are there other ways that we can find you online well I'm on insta as Emma Simpson author um that now does does point a lot towards my substack I think the substack is the main place I have a website emmasimpsonauthor.com there's a theme here so <laughs> yeah bits and pieces but again the the 
the regular output is through Substack. I mean, I submit the odd article here and there, or, um, you know, I entered my first competition, uh, my first writing competition earlier this year, and it was um, called the, the Wild Atlantic Writing Awards, and it was on the theme of hope, and it was um, a competition run in Ireland. So I was just like, oh, wow, I love this. And I submitted a, a little short piece to that and then didn't hear anything back. And was like, oh, OK. And about six months later, I got an email saying, you know, winners announced. And I was like, oh, OK, it'd be interesting to see, to see what wins an award. I had no idea. This is all new to me. You know, I scrolled down and it said, you know, finalist Emma Simpson. I was like, huh? oh, my God, I was a finalist. I didn't even know. Oh, and Wow. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, this is so exciting. And then I scrolled down further and it said, winner, Emma Simpson. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's <laughs> like phoned you or anything. Oh, I didn't know. And I was literally jumping around the garden. I think, you know, my husband was just like, oh, my God, what's happened? I was like, I won, I won, I won, I won. Oh, my God, I won a writing award. Oh, my God. And so I, I did that and I, and I won that. And I was like, wow, okay, this is amazing. So, you know, you get these little boosts and... I just put things out in different places where I can and yeah just see that's what fantastic well then that's also, you should you 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 know then you're, you can keep going because yeah. which is just fantastic very exciting very so exciting. do you so uh, so do you have a plan for your writing career or are you just what's your do, what are your future plans yeah well it's kind of hoping that the income base will make it I mean it is what I've chosen to do and we have made it that I have got some time in which I can explore this as a way of of being and a way of living and um again I write about this on Substack I mean I I, I do dog boarding and dog sitting as as income as well you know so I yeah. have all these lovely dogs that come and visit me because I need to make more than I make off off the writing at the moment um so there are ways in which I incorporate it, other things and other income streams into my life that are compatible with the writing but what I am committed to at the moment is putting the writing front and center and so I think the first major milestone is is with breaking waves is either it's picked up in the next very short period of time by publisher or it or I put it out myself yeah. so that, that becomes something living and breathing and and then starts to have a life and and you know reap some of what I've put into it and crack on with the second one and keep growing my sub stack so that's really really the plan and I will keep entering competitions and things like that because that all helps your your profile and also your confidence I mean you know it's not um it's not an easy world to be in you have to be robust um it can feel like you're on an uphill climb a lot of the time but do you know what it's just I've never been more content and at peace with the way in which I live my life and the way in which I've enabled my way of being to be compatible with my with my health and and demands of family and all the other bits and pieces so you know at the moment I'm just loving it oh it's fantastic it's so inspiring it's just so lovely to to talk to you because it's it's the dream of so many of us I think to write what we want rather than what we have to do <laughs> it's funny because uh, I was just writing as a career and which wasn't and, I, and I've got a lot of you know friends that I've made through writing it's a lovely supportive community and I, I say I do meet people online but I also go to quite a lot of events and, and literary festivals and awards and meet people and I speak to authors who are famous authors and they're so generous it's yeah. such a generous community and I come away just feeling like wow this is the right 
the right place and space for me to be. But yeah, I don't want to also, on the, I don't want to just pretend that it's like easy and you can suddenly go from, a, you know, I had a very high paying career and now I don't. Yeah. And it's very different. And I've had to make a lot of adjustments. Um, but what I have gained from that change is immeasurable. Yeah. So to any of our listeners that are thinking of just jacking it all in, whatever they're doing and making a living writing, publishing their own work, blogging, what's your sort of top tips, your top pieces of advice? I think the main thing is really to believe in yourself. Really, really believe in yourself. You know in your heart that's what you want to do and that's what you want to follow you will find a way um you know when I work with my coaching clients which I'm doing less of now because I'm focusing on the writing you know we're very good at putting limiting factors in our way whatever they might be and normally it's financial you know normally everyone's like well I can't do that I can't even go from five days a week to four days a week I can't afford it and yes there are logistics and things that you have to work through but there is always a way there is always a way you know just be be Believe in yourself. Be creative in your way of thinking about how you can manage it. You don't have to sell your house. You don't have to go from all or nothing. But if you do want to do that sort of thing, it will be okay. Yeah. It will be okay. You know, just trust in the process. Oh, that's just very inspiring. Thank (laughs) you so much for talking to me today. You're so welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Really delighted to be here. You have been listening to the Cracking Copy podcast with Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride. Don't miss out on future episodes by making sure you hit subscribe down below to keep up with all our podcasts. And more details and resources are in our show notes. So we'll see you next time.